Welcome to Practical Christian Living. So you will gain everything if you lay it down and you say, okay, what I have is yours. And we're all supposed to do that. We're all supposed to come to him and say, Lord, I give you my life. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. No longer my goals, my desires, my purposes, but whatever your goals, your desires, and your purposes are, I will follow you. Jesus taught not to trust in riches because earthly riches don't last. But the treasure that Jesus offers us when we give our lives to Him is eternal and worth so much more than anything offered to us on this earth. Follow Jesus with everything you have today. You won't be sorry. It will be the greatest and most wonderful decision you'll ever make. With more on Jesus and His appointment with the rich man, here's Robert Furrow. He says, honor your father and mother, which of course is one of those commandments that comes with a promise. You honor your father and mother and it will go well with you all the days of your life. That's a good one for kids to know. God's promised he'll be on your side in a special way if you honor your father and mother. That's good. Then he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, later on in the New Testament, that says that that sums up all of the law. If you, if you walk in love, then you're going to love, then, then you're going to fulfill all the law and the prophets. If you love God and love people. And so the young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Well, this is a pretty good guy. Even to be able to make that statement, he's a pretty good guy. Because I don't know that any of us would have made that statement. Now, he's a religious man. Now, we find out not only is he rich and young and a ruler, but he's rich, young, ruler, and religious. And that he's tried to keep these things since the beginning of his life. And it's interesting to me that he still knows that he lacks something. I've done all of these things, but what do I still lack? Well, the law was there to really show you that you hadn't kept those things. And so he wasn't being honest with himself. And so Jesus gets right down to where he's at. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now he tells him the way of eternity. He comes and asks, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Jesus says, well, one way you could do it is to keep the commandments. And even though he's claimed he's kept the commandments, he says, no, the real way you're going to have it is to follow me. Now we get hung up on the go sell everything you have, and we'll talk about that, okay? But just, just get past that to where Jesus went. Jesus went, keep the commandments. That's a way to heaven. None of us can do it. So you go to the second way, and that's you follow Jesus. Any of us here today that say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry, forgive me. I want to follow you. And we live our lives and follow him. We will follow him right into eternity. He is the door, and he tells this rich young ruler how we can get to heaven. But before he tells him that, he says, go and sell everything that you have. And we think, well, that would have been hard. We put ourselves in this rich young ruler's shoes and we think, eh, go and sell everything you have. Well, how much do you have? There's some of you here that you might not have much. And you think, well, I'll give everything and follow him. In fact, that might be a particular, a particular strength you might have right now is that you don't have much. And you can give everything to God. You can say, I'll give, I'll give it all to you today, God. I'll have $10 to my name. Here it is. 
I'm going to give you everything. And you give him everything. But if you have quite a bit of money, if you've been working on your retirement for a lot of years, and God says, get rid of it all. Withdraw it all, pay the, pay the taxes on it, and give it to the poor, and come and follow me. Now, Jesus isn't just playing here. He's not just making a statement. In fact, I think it's Mark that tells us he looked at the young man and he loved him. And he said, give away everything you have. Follow me and you will have eternity. He, he was really saying to him, you're going to have, if you give everything you have away and you gain Christ, then you have gained the entire world. Now, we can't use this and say that this is what eternal life is. Eternal life is giving everything that you have away. We know that we're supposed to give away everything. We're, we're not supposed to hold on to our lives. But in 1 Timothy chapter 6, when Timothy deals with money, he says several things about it. He says that if people are teaching godliness as a means of financial gain, withdraw yourself from them. I think probably the largest false teaching in the world today is that God wants you rich. I think it's so popular because it tickles the ears, because you like it, you know, we, we like it. I remember when I was exposed to it, I was only 19, it's still around. It's a long time. God wants you rich. Well, what a coincidence. I want to be rich. It's amazing. That's awesome. God never wants you sick. So he says, if, God, if someone is teaching godliness as a means of financial gain, withdraw yourself from them. Get away from them. It's a lie. It's a heresy. Then it goes on to say, but godliness with contentment is great gain. If you are content where you are now, content with what God's given you, and you are godly, then there's great gain with that. Then he goes on to say in the same chapter, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Remember when Jesus was talking about the soils and he talked about the rocky soils? He talked about, actually it was the weeds, in the middle of the weeds, the cares and the worries of this world and the desire for riches choke out the word of God. Sometimes the desire for riches chokes the word of God out. And all kinds of evil is done for the love of money, not for money, but for the love of money. As he goes on in that chapter, he says, tell those who are rich. This is our instruction through the epistles. Tell those who are rich not to trust in the uncertainty of riches, but to be willing to share. So he doesn't say, tell those who are rich to sell everything they have and to follow Jesus. He doesn't say that. So that wasn't the qualifier here. The qualifier for salvation was that he would follow Jesus. And I think that Jesus knew that this young man was not going to follow him unless he gave everything away. And plus, what he was going to gain was far greater than giving everything up. Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll save it. So you will gain everything if you lay it down and you say, okay, what I have is yours. And we're all supposed to do that. We're all supposed to come to him and say, Lord, I give you my life. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. No longer my goals, my desires, my purposes, but whatever your goals, your desires, and your purposes are, I will follow you. I will not just be a hearer only, but I'm going to be a hearer and then a doer of the word of God, and I'm going to follow through with what you say. And that we take all of our provisions and we place it in the hands of God and say, use me and use what I have for the sake of the kingdom of God. That's what Christianity is about. That's what discipleship is about. And again, I don't know that we can divide 
just Christians and then disciples. In verse 22 then, but when the young man heard this saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. It's too much for him. Jesus hit on one of the commandments that he didn't mention in the first part. Thou shalt not covet. We think, well, what was he coveting if he had everything? But he wasn't willing to give it up. It's what he was living for. And so Jesus said to his disciples, he uses this as a teachable moment for them. Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't say it's impossible. He says it's hard. And I think that's good for us to hear. It's hard for a rich man to enter into heaven. We have an unhealthy connection to money and we ought to be challenged by that. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. There are those, all kinds of people that come up with things for this. They'll say that there was a small gate by the big gate and that when they had the big gate closed and you had a camel with you and only the small gate was open, the small gate was called the eye of the needle and you had to get the camel down on its knees and then you had to bring the camel through the eye of the needle and it was very, very difficult to do. You can imagine how hard it would be. If you have never been around camels, by the way, they're, uh, they're not fun animals at all. And uh, the only problem is they've never discovered in all of archaeology a gate that's smaller, an eye of a needle in an ancient gate from the time of Jesus. They found them afterwards. They have them afterwards. But they never found any from the time of Jesus. So I'm not sure that that's what Jesus was saying. I'm not so sure he wasn't saying, it is hard for a rich man to be saved. It's easier to go through an eye of a needle, for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to be saved that we might really know what kind of a stumbling block money is and that it can cause us to not go into the kingdom of God, that it can be above everything else. There is nothing that people will not do for money, all kinds of things. And so the disciples are, are struck by this, verse 25. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. In other words, God's able to break down that love of money inside of us and bring us to our real need. God's able to do an impossible work. Hey, salvation in general is impossible. How are you going to save yourself? You're going to jump high enough to get saved? You're going to build a ladder or a building tall enough that you can just step off and enter into heaven? Are you going to be good enough that you can make it into heaven? Hey, some of us have tried to go down that road already. We know we can't. It's impossible that I could be saved. So God had to do the miraculous, send Jesus to pay the price on the cross for me and then forgive my sins. It was a miraculous work. All salvation is miraculous. But we shouldn't take lightly the warning. We should evaluate. Do I have a love of money? Some of you here might say, well, then I'm okay because I don't have any money. I'm poor. So I don't have any problem going into the kingdom of God. But you might have the love of money. It may be the desire for money. It may be coveting. That is your real problem. Verse 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. With God, it is possible. Then Peter answered and said to him, 
And this is one of the spots where I, I love that Peter says this. Peter says, see, we've left everything and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Peter's like, you just told that guy to, to sell everything and to follow you, but we've done it. We left the nets. We left the boats. We've done it. Now, I don't know if Peter is ever confused for a rich young ruler. I don't know if there was that great sacrifice when he left. I don't know how successful his fishing business was with James and John and his brother Andrew. But he did give it up. And so do we. When I first came to the Lord when I was a teenager, early teenager, I invited Christ in and I didn't really understand the level of commitment there was supposed to be. And he probably, as a teenager, it's pretty hard to do. I thought that what God was all about was helping me get what needed to be done in my life or what I wanted done in my life. Like, what, what I, who I accepted at 14 years old was the self-help Jesus. Jesus, come help me. I want you in my life. I'm pretty messed up. I need my sins forgiven for sure. But you be my co-pilot. And when I, the plane gets out of control, then I'll give it over to you and you give me back the controls. When I walked away at 18 and he came and got me, he literally left the 99 and came after the one, took everything away from me down to the very bottom. And when I came back, the prayer that I made was a, a prayer of, it was completely different. The prayer that I said to come back was, okay, God, I, I, I give up. No longer what I want, but whatever you want. And that's really the commitment that we all need to come to, that we honestly say to him, no matter what I want, whatever you want. I remember in those early years after, after coming back to Christ, saying to him, I'll go, feeling the call to go and to, to pastor. I saying to God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. If you want me to go to five people, I'll go somewhere and minister to five people. If you want me to minister to 5,000, I'll go somewhere and minister to 5,000. I had shared that at a study, I don't know, a couple years ago. While I was driving home, the Lord just kind of spoke to my heart quietly and said, what if I asked you to go now? What if I asked you to leave and go to some village and minister to five people now? And I had to, I had to take my time because the quick answer is, oh yes, Lord, I'll do it. But I thought, what if I say that? And he goes, okay. <laughs> I was just checking. See if you're still willing to do it. So I had to stop and really evaluate. And, and make sure I was answering honestly. And I finally came to the point where I said, yes, God, I'll go. It won't be easy, <laughs> but I'll go. I'll do it. Because God has done far more than I ever thought that he could do in my life. And the Bible says that, right? Our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And that when I said at 19 years old, okay, I give up my life. I was thinking, I give up my life. It was this big grand thing. Really, it was like, I give up my life for whatever you have planned. And not only what God does for us here, because you may give your life to Christ today and you may die tomorrow and you will gain throughout all of eternity. So look at the response that Jesus says to Peter. So Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you that in this generation, when the Son of Man sits on the throne in his glory, you have followed me, will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or wives or children or lands. Interesting, he throws in lands there. That's the same thing he says in Luke 14, which is when I started this study. 
this morning, that's what connected me to that passage. He says, if anybody has sacrificed any of these things for my name's sake, he will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So God says, you will be rewarded. We do give up our lives and we are saved. If we could have the faith to approach him and say, Lord, I give you everything. I, I give it all. I give up my whole life for you. Then we will gain here now, but also in eternity that we will find that we have it all. And this very last statement, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. This, by the way, is one of the unique teachings of Jesus. The golden rule you can find in other ancient cultures and teachings taught in a slightly different way, but you can find it. But this whole concept of being the servant, of taking the last place in line. Years ago, I heard of a classroom where the teacher wanted to give the kids candy. She told them, line up, I'm going to give you guys candy. You can imagine the chaos that assumed as the kids got up to get in line to get the candy. Then when they all got lined up, the teacher walked to the back of the line, told the kids, turn around, and started handing out the candy to the ones that were in the very last. The one that was very last was probably like, oh man, I hope they have candy left. And then all of a sudden when it was turned around, and that's exactly what Jesus is saying to us, don't be afraid to take the last spot. Don't be afraid to let somebody in in front of you. The last will be first and the first will be last. He who is least will be the greatest. He who is the servant will be greater than all. Learning to humble ourselves, learning to live by faith, this is when we're willing to say, okay, I will give it all to you that I might truly be your disciple. The way of salvation was for this rich young ruler the same as it is for you and me, that we invite him in and we follow Jesus. There are those that accuse pastors like me of easy believism. They say, well, you preach an easy entrance into the, the kingdom of God. People don't have to make sacrifices. They don't have to give anything up. If they just receive Jesus, then they'll be saved and they have all of eternity. And, and the Bible teaches that, to be sure. Receive him. But it also teaches that we will be transformed, that he will do his work inside of us. And as he transforms us, we find ourselves giving everything to him. Because if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. And when he says, if you do not forsake everything and follow me, I think it's Luke 14, 33. If you do not forsake everything and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. So I will ask you the same question. Have you forsaken everything? Have you said, Lord, you are all that I have and I will forsake it all? That's where we go to. It starts with, I receive you as my savior but it goes to a complete, total, utter commitment. And I hope that we can count that cost. I hope that we can take those steps. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray together. Father, thank you that we get the opportunity to hear from this rich young ruler. As he goes before Jesus, most likely thinking that he's going to get a response that you've earned eternity. He had heard people saying all the time what he wants them to hear. Lord, we thank you that We've seen the commitment that needed to be made. And we're reminded that as part of the crowd, we're to forsake it all. We're to pick up our cross and we're to follow you. We're to deny ourselves. And I pray, Lord, that we would draw closer to you, that we would find ourselves seeking you in prayer, 
reading your word, spending quiet times with you as you work in our hearts and bring us to that place of that total and complete commitment. And we thank you for this in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed for just a few minutes. I'd also like to ask that no one would leave early. We're almost done. We'll dismiss you shortly. I'd also like to invite those of you online to join us as well. Quiet your heart before God or, or listening to this on Reach Radio as you're maybe driving. Quieting your heart before Him, allowing Him to speak to you. And I want to give you an opportunity if you're here today and you have never received Jesus as your Savior. The Bible says, as many as receive Him, He gives the power to become the child of God. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if you open that door, I will come in and dine with you. I'll have fellowship with you. And if you're here today and you've never done that, it's as easy as calling out upon His name, of having a point of faith, and that point of faith that I'm gonna give you in a moment is raising your hand. You're saying, yes, I want to invite Him in. But I like this particular study for telling you that because you know that there's a cost. You know there will be a cost. And Jesus wants us to count the cost before we make that commitment. And if you can't make that commitment, then don't do it. But if today you can say, you know what, I can live by faith. I can lay everything down. I can surrender everything for you. I'd love to see you raise your hand. For those of you that are here that have walked away, you've drifted away, Maybe you made a commitment to Christ, but it wasn't what you thought. The expectations were not even close. You found out that it was hard and there was some difficulties and persecutions. And so you walked away. Or maybe the cares of this world and the desire for riches choked out that faith. But now you say, I'm ready. You're, you're a prodigal. You're a prodigal son. You've been out there, but you are his son, his daughter. And he'll call you home today. And if you will raise your hand as well, you're saying, I want to come back to you today. This is the same for all of you who are watching online and on our live online campus. You are gathered together with us. Quite literally, the Spirit of God is where you are, working in your heart. And if you would say to Him today, come into my life, I give myself to you. Thank you for you giving your life for me. Then He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll bring you back home. He'll fill you with His Spirit. It'll begin to use you here in this world. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Christ or come back to Him, then I'm going to ask you to do something simple right where you are. Just raise your hand. Lift your hand up now. Lift it up high so I can see it. God bless you there in the front of the balcony and sir, back in the ways there in the balcony. God bless you. That's awesome. Anyone else? Just lift your hand up now. God bless you, sir. And if you're online right now, just say, Lord, I want you in my life. Just acknowledge him. I want to pray this prayer. If you're listening on Reach Radio, I want to pray this prayer. So I'm going to ask, you can put your hands down, by the way. And I'm going to ask everyone, including those who raised their hands, to repeat this prayer after me. And those of you who are making a commitment online or on the radio. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I've sinned. And I know my sin has separated me from you. I also understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus on the cross. So I invite you into my life and I turn from my sin that I can live for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Welcome to the family of God. We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org, where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on KGUN 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.